Hi everyone, this is Maria Wells with the Savvy Millennial Podcast, a community dedicated to ambitious and successful millennials. And today with us, we have an amazing artist, successful entrepreneur, and the founder of the PR for Artists, Inc., the best name for the SEO purposes, if you ask me. She brings over 10 years of experience in the industry, and her company focuses on helping artists from all over the world get the right PR, marketing, and exposure they deserve. And with that, please welcome Aubrey. Wonderful. It's so nice to meet you. It is a pleasure. How are you today? I'm doing really well, thank you. How are you doing? It's good. I mean, considering the times, I think things are looking up. It is summer, but I guess if you're from California, every day is summer, so never mind. (laughs) It's true. It's true. But there's not a whole lot of variation in the weather here. Do you mind telling me and the listeners more about yourself? I mean, I know quite a bit because I've read everything that's out there. And I'm very excited to have someone like you because you manage artists. You obviously also create. Uh, I've listened to some of your music and it is incredible. So yeah, if you don't mind telling us a little bit more. It's kind of funny how I, you know, one of the questions you had sent over to me prior to doing this interview was, you know, a bit about my background and how I got started. I was thinking about that because it was kind of an odd way that I fell into PR. I was actually acting a bit just before I graduated college and I was cast in the lead role in a play, really small theater production in Los Angeles. It just so happened that the screenplay writer and who was also a novelist owned a PR agency because it's small theater in LA and that's completely not funded here. (laughs) The production took quite a while to go up. And as a result, I got to know him and the people he worked with I actually ended up doing some writing for him and his company at a boutique PR agency. I really learned about the ins and outs of PR as a result of pursuing acting, which was completely unexpected and really fell in love with it. You know, I kind of fell out of love with acting. New music was my passion. That's actually what I got my degree in in college. You know, I decided... I'm going to work in PR and, and try to songwrite on the side. And then I had also, you know, freelance for different agencies. And after a while, I realized, you know, I really want to focus my time on building my own agency. And I want to dedicate my skills to helping artists. And that was because I had the privilege of working on a campaign for a fine artist where I was able to get him a lot of national press, which obviously positively impacted his career. A lot of different things in the mix there. So, of course, I have a passion for the arts, clearly. It's insane, considering that you are creative at everything. And it's true when they say, you know, if you're creative in one thing, you're creative at everything because you act, you write, you sing. Is there something you can't do? (laughs) Can you dance? (laughs) Well, just to be clear, I, I, you know, I didn't continue to pursue acting. It's just it was a fun way that I sort of fell into PR. There was a connection there that I made someone in the industry and that led me to PR. And then, you know, I have a real empathy for artists in their process. You know, there's no obvious career path, I think, for an artist to really make a business out of what they do. And I have compassion for that. So I obviously have a personal understanding of that. So now what I, just to be clear, what I do now is I run PR for artists. And then I'm definitely trying to make time for my own art and songwriting and 
doing that when I can. <laughs> That's incredible. So I guess the first question, so many questions, the artists, what kind mm-hmm. of artists, how do you choose them? How do you find them? Do they come to you? Do you look for them somewhere? And how does this process work? So a lot of them actually come to me. I've been fortunate in that I've really kind of built PR for artists as a brand. It's funny. I mean, I had initially truthfully, you know, chosen PR for artists.com for SEO purposes when I was first building my business website. And it just kind of stuck. I was always thinking, you know, I'll, I'll name my agency at some point. But, you know, as I was just getting started, kind of taking on my own clients, I just did that for SEO purposes. And then it's quite literally what I do. And I think that really speaks to artists because they're like, oh, what is that? I probably need that. Yeah. So a lot of it was just that I, I put out there what I do and trying to solve and answer, I guess, some of the questions and problems that artists really run into on their career path by blogging about it and putting content out there. It led to a lot of artists reaching out and then artists, you know, of course, referring us to other artists in that we can really help them get where they're trying to go. And then the artists that you manage, are they from all over the world? And what do they do exactly? Like what kind of art do they create? So the artists are all from all over the world. There's so much variation in their processes, their medium. So we work, you know, with sculptors, we work with digital artists, video artists, of course, painters, screen print makers, where that's a big focus of their practice, photographers, a lot of photographers. So it's really across the board. It's incredible. What about singers, songwriters? Yeah, we're really servicing the individual visual artists. I think I'm a little too close to the music in the sense that, you know, obviously I haven't really built a career for myself yet, so I wouldn't claim to (laughs) to be able to do it for a musician yet. I wanted to really niche in the fine art industry. I think, you know, it's, it's underserved. There are a handful of companies out there that service the fine art professionals, but that's generally catered to organizations and institutions and less so the individual. But we do actually work with quite a few galleries and, you know, different people in different roles in the art world. Incredible. So I guess now with COVID and the pandemic and a lot of those artists not having the ability to exhibit their work and for people to visit the galleries, how does this process work? And what is that transition look like for them and for you, obviously. When obviously in March, when pandemic really hit America hard, that was really tough. We had to take a step back and go, how are we really going to continue to help the artists? What's going to happen? Yeah. So for just to give you an example, one artist I actually work with, she's based in Toronto. Her name is Barbara Cole. She's a fine art photographer. She has galleries in Toronto, Montreal, Los Angeles, Miami. And she actually had a solo exhibition coming up in Montreal. Of course, it was canceled. It was supposed to be in in March. And so basically, we just decided we're going to make a virtual experience of this. And, you know, that's a lot of where the art world's headed. If you look at any of the major art fairs, they're all creating virtual experiences of fairs. Galleries are doing this. So, you know, it's not a new idea. However, I think what we did a little different and we really worked to make it personal. So we you know, created video content of her in her studio talking about how the exhibition was canceled and just being really honest and what the show was about. And then, you know, we did a lot of 
uh, install shots. We were able to get that. We did a lot of close-up video of the work itself. And we told the story. We were just honest. Like, this is what's happening. You can't go see the show yet. It's definitely going to go up when we ever figure out how to manage COVID. (laughs) And we used that as a story angle. And we were able to get her a lot of great media coverage. She actually had Elle Canada. She was the one with the cover with Dua Lipa. That's amazing. A little feature in there. Yeah. So I thought that'd be a good example. Of what you, you know, do. <laughs> yeah. And it's Canada. You're, you know, she's our client in Canada. So, you know, obviously we're all, you know, figuring out how to function online. And I think a lot of industries were headed there even prior to COVID. You know, it's like really capitalizing on what the internet can provide in terms of commerce. But I think what's most important is to make sure that we stay connected in that process. You know, it's like really hearing from the artist, not just showing the work and putting a price tag on it. It's like, this is a human being who is creating for everyone's benefit and how they can connect with that on a deeper level. And that's why you're there to create that story because everybody has a great story. It's just the matter of, you know, how can you tell it? And I guess you really come through with helping them tell that story. The question would be, how do artists usually make mistakes in that realm? And, you know, what would be your suggestion to some artists who are just starting out, trying to figure out how to work the social media game, the SEO, maybe, you know, they're trying to get their business uh, out right now during COVID. And obviously there is no exhibits. They have to start virtually. What would be your suggestion? The first thing I, you know, really work on with artists is, where are you trying to go? And what art do you want to create? And then it's what is getting in the way of that, if there is anything, right? How do you create space and an environment for your mind to wander and be an artist and go through that process? So much of what artists deal with first is, you know, the pressure of having to sell, having to get their story out there, having to do social media, having to do all these things. And you do, you do have to do all those things, but first you got to take a step back and allow yourself to make the art. So that's like the first thing I think, especially in the wake of a pandemic where everyone's overwhelmed, of course, and this is a really challenging time. So first thing is, I think, giving yourself permission, like some self-love and some space to create. And then, you know, when you have work that you're ready to promote, I think obviously if you can organize a team and have people help you get your story out there. That's great. But if you can't just be authentic and everybody, I hate that word a little bit, but it's true, you know, like show process shots as much as you're comfortable. I think artists have a lot of stories and just taking some time to get in touch with themselves and taking the time to share it is possible. I think just starting, just do it, you know, get it out there. I love it. It's, it's the best advice ever. Just do it. (laughs) Do you think everybody has an artist inside them or it's a special skill and some people just don't have it? And the reason I'm asking is, you know, how do you know and at which point do you know that you're just not cut out for this world as an artist? Wow, I was not (laughs) expecting that. That's a great question. I mean, (laughs) I talk about this constantly with my team, you know, the sort of philosophical exploration of what is and isn't art you know, who can and can't succeed. And I mean, I founded this company on the idea that forget the art world, forget all the rules, 
forget like you have to have an MFA and you have to do X, Y, Z to get into these circles. Because, you know, my idea was you can create a PR campaign, you can tell a story, you can brand yourself and you can get yourself out there. And obviously every artist that I work with has a different set of challenges. There's no easy answer and it's a process. I think that there's potentially a market for a lot of work. You know what, when I looked at the art that you represent, everybody was amazing. And then I thought to myself, I went to art school for 11 years and I thought, you know what? Could I potentially, instead of what I decided to do in finance and the corporate world, if I would have stuck to the art world and, you know, developed and honed that skill, could I have potentially been that artist that is on the website that you represent and who is on the cover of magazines? I couldn't answer the question. So that's why I thought, you know what, maybe I'll ask you. No, it's a great question. I love it. I just, I think I'm still formulating my answer in my mind. That's totally fine. I mean, the next one I would be interested in, and I think a lot of listeners would be as to what are the common mistakes that the artists make when they are trying to get themselves out there and you help them fix those mistakes, obviously. Some really obvious ones are not having a good website, not having um, professional photographs of their work. It's a lot of presentation mistakes. And then not understanding how to talk about their work. And also that there are so many possibilities and ways to do that. Also, there's a lot of self-defeating mindsets that I actually really work on tackling with artists. It's such a challenging thing to go out in the world and say you're an artist and present your work and hope for the best, right? So yeah, I think the first thing is really believing that you can get where you want to go. Which I think kind of goes back to your last question. It's like, of course, there are artists that are at a point where they need to improve their work. And so creating the marketplace is going to be that much more challenging. But the truth is, like, if you really work at it and you believe in where you're getting, you can get there. So then there are some times where I would say, you're not ready for me to be able to help you. You need to hone your craft more, right? Like, get your art to to this level, really actually know what you're trying to say with your work. A lot of artists don't know the concept behind their work. A lot of artists still haven't developed their craft. So I think that might kind of address what you were talking about before. And the artists who have, then it's about packaging and putting together a plan and finding a way to knock on the right doors and create that path, which is possible. I love it. So yeah, you're right. It, it kind of does answer the previous question that, you know, it seems like everybody could be potentially an artist because there's a market, as you said, for everything, but you really need to be clear on the message that you're trying to get out there. And if it's not clear, then chances are you're probably not going to be cut out for the world to succeed. Yeah. I like that. Absolutely. So I guess there's other stereotypes, like, you know, a starving artist. And that's what I was brought up with when I went to art school and did Mm. art for 11 years. The concept Mm -hmm. of, you know, if you want to be an artist, you are basically going to be struggling. And I think it comes from like the Soviet Union mentality that you need to have a stable job. (laughs) But that's kind of what I was raised with. And I think that was the reason why I didn't pursue art other than a hobby. Do you think it's 
true as a stereotype because here I see you creating and taking acting at school and singing and songwriting and running a successful business. Clearly, you, you defeat that stereotype. But do you find that a lot of artists that you represent, they struggle with the business side of managing their own projects? Yeah, that's definitely something I tackle too when we're working with artists. Yeah, the starving artist moniker, you know, like that, that yeah. became actually a really popular kind of cool thing to be, you know, at some point through art, art, art history. Yeah, I'm, I actually really try to deter that mentality completely. I mean, obviously, it depends on the artist, you know, I think some artists will thrive creatively in a space maybe where they have less and they're struggling. You know, there might be something to that. But generally speaking, I encourage artists to find a way to fund their life, right? So they can they can function and be comfortable for the most part so that they can create. And then from there, you execute on how do you make the business of the art. That's like number one though, right? There has to be that space to create. So if you're you're starving, that I think for most people anyway is gonna be tough. Yeah, I just I think that with any pursuit, any new business pursuit, right? Like you need to have resources and you need to be able to function so that you can then move toward your goal of creating a business out of whatever next project you're working on. Yeah, I really believe that it's possible to Maybe you have your your job that you don't like so much, but it allows you to live and and eat <laughs> and breathe, and then you can create, right? You yeah. got to create that room for creativity, right? Because if you're always exactly. stressed out, and if you're in that mental space of you know trying to get uh, from one place to the other and making ends meet every month, you're probably not in the creative capacity to create the artwork that you could be potentially making if you were mindful and you know had some leisure time and just had mm-hmm. room to breathe and just think and maybe enjoy life so i totally agree and then i mean in california and correct me if i'm wrong because that's just the look from the outside there's a lot of actors that's a lot of them their stories how they start their acting careers is they're barton and they're serving and they're trying to make ends meet so there is this good hustle that comes with hunger that you're always mm-hmm. trying to be you know creative but there has to be a balance, I think. When you're starting out with anything, I mean, I listened to your podcast and I think one of the last interviews you did with the personal trainer, Josh, you know, he yep. started out, he got off a plane, he had $365 in his pocket and then yep. he, he got going. So you, like, we're all starving at some point, maybe not all of us, but I know I certainly had that experience and you start from where you are and so much of it is belief, right? So much of it is mindset and just, getting going and creating and you're right like you brought up josh and that was his motivation right like he might have not been the best he might have not had you know the best successes he was very young i think he was 20 or 19 but he the belief that he had and the knowledge that he had that he's gonna make it he's gonna be the best he's gonna figure it out he's gonna outwork everyone in uh, in the gym that he joined and he did like it's just he had that hunger and he had the passion and he basically decided early on that he's not going to give up. Like he is going to exactly. make it. 
And it is so fascinating. So I think it's similar, I would say, to the artist, I would guess. I do. Yeah. I think that that mindset has to apply for an artist. Yeah. I think there has to be patience and hustle and belief. Absolutely. Like anything else. Yeah. So I guess the next question would be, is there a secret formula that works for artists? Like, is there a trend that maybe some artists could capitalize on, maybe a decade trend? Or, you know, maybe there is something that's prevalent right now in 2020, the people who could create that could sell or the people are striving for to see? What do you think? Every artist is so different, right? So I don't really think there's a general rule that applies to all artists because they're all working with different mediums and then therefore different markets, different types of collectors, different circles that you're striving to play in. So I I don't think there's like a one particular approach that's going to work for everyone. I think really the things we've been talking about throughout this interview is key. You know, first thing is you have to have that space to create and the will to push forward. And, you know, and then things that generally work for us, I can say is, you know, making sure your presentation is really well planned and executed and thinking about those details, being able to step outside and view yourself as a brand in a sense, which is kind of a dirty word when it comes to an artist, right? Because art isn't, meant to be a brand. It's meant to be conceptual and inspirational or maybe just visually wonderful for its audience. But making sure that you're creating channels to connect with that audience is really important. And yeah, obviously there's things that everyone can, tools that everyone can use these days and have more access to an audience than we've ever had, which is great. But I think it's really honing how you're presenting it is what's going to enable you to really reach the largest audience. And so that's, that's what we really work on with artists is how, how to tell their message, how to tell their story, how to talk about their art and how to position it in a way that it's going to speak to the people that you want on your team to also push you forward, expanding that network for you. Those are all the things I think you have to, to wrap your head around and ask those questions and you'll inevitably get further. Absolutely. And you mentioned network, which is obviously for artists would be extremely important because that's how, you know, people find out about their art and that's how people purchase their art or go to the galleries. Now for you, I would assume it's been very important to develop your network over the past 10 years in the industry. What are the, I guess, successes and suggestions that, you know, lessons learned in the past 10 years that you would recommend people who are trying to build up their networks? Yeah. I mean, what I, I really focused on was I invested a lot in traveling, you know, cause there are quite a few different art hubs, of course, you know, throughout the world, you know, I really tried to build up relationships in uh, Miami, New York, London, San Francisco, Canada, Toronto, Texas has a great art market. But I guess also business owners, because this concept is not really just for artists. It's for everyone, really, right? You, you're starting a business, basically, mm-hmm. and you knew where you need to go to get your business become successful. Yeah, I think 
the thing I really did was because I remember even with my team, you know, because our, our major focus is getting press for our artists because that obviously enables us to build a lot of credibility and um, it brings more attention to the work. And then it's easier when you're, you know, talking to gallerists or museums about the artists. So I remember saying to my team, like, I'm going to go out there and I'm going to get artists into galleries. And they're like, how are we going to do that? And I'm like, I'm just going to do it. <laughs> I just walked into galleries with artwork. You know, I just started knocking on doors. I started talking creatively about the work. And I think the most important thing is understanding it's the process. I don't guarantee that I can create any kind of result for an artist. What we're going to do is we're going to push forward for what we're trying to, to make happen, you know, there are rejections. So when you say pitfalls, I think, I think really learning how to manage expectations and that, you know, guiding artists to not take that as they should quit, right? It's like, it's, if anything, it's you should keep going. I love that, you know, that just keep going because it's true. I find that among a lot of successful entrepreneurs, that's, you know, usually the question that I, ask is the rejection because the stuff that we see maybe on social media and on the website is the successes, but nobody really tells you about, you know, Hey, yeah. in order for this yes to happen and for this cover of the magazine to happen, we had to do so much work and, you know, it's mm -hmm. probably month and hours and weeks of strategy and people, yes, and exactly. you don't see the background of that work. So I guess with your team, how many people do you have working with you on every artist? And then how do you find the people to work with you? And how does it work to have a team? <laughs> What do they do for you? <laughs> well, just to wrap up your last question too, I think the most important thing with what we do is the honesty and being, I'm super transparent with our artists. You know, it's, It's like, we're going to try to get you into this gallery and we're going to do everything we can to make that happen, but it might not. But that just means X, Y, Z if, if it doesn't, right? And I think, you know, managers for actors have gone through similar things. That's what they do. They go out and they buy for these projects for their clients and sometimes they get them and sometimes they don't. But it's the bigger picture of what you're moving towards that you're always striving for and pushing with. You know, a big part of what you need in PR is strong writers. You really need to be able to communicate the narrative that you're trying to tell. And then you need really strong pitchers and people who have a, a real charisma and ability to network in general, right? Build relationships with journalists or curators or who, whomever it is you're, you're really trying to build those relationships with that are going to further you on your objectives. So I came to know some, some freelance writers. I recognized their talent and I basically said, are you interested in a career in PR? Like, I think you could help me build this. I have an editorial director is a title that I gave him because I think that's exactly what he, he works on with me is the language, right? On any particular pitch or campaign. And then I have really strong pitchers. And then I have people who are good at uh, social media engagement and really using the tool in creative ways to engage with the world. Yeah. So on every campaign, it's, I would say there's at least three people working on, you know, Easy. I also have a web, web designer, you know, because you need all of these different pieces to be able to, to make a strong presentation. So I think really creative minds are on my team 
Um, it takes it takes a village. And are they all remote or are they all next to you? So, and I guess the reason I'm asking is with COVID, has it been a big change or you've always been remote with your team? So it's been easier that way. My team is located in LA. A lot of the time though, pre-COVID, I was traveling so much. So we would be working remotely, you know? And my whole thing when I started this was like, I don't care if you come into the office or you work, if you want to go on a trip here because you think you're going to make X, Y, Z happen, then go do that. It's all about the result. It's all about being able to be productive. So it's been very easy for us to transition with COVID. We don't need to be in the same room to do what we do. And I'm very much about investing in people and less so an office, right? It's, it's about the team. It's about what we can do. And I feel very fortunate in that sense. The first few months of COVID, we all worked very remotely, obviously. You know, we wanted to be safe. We wanted to be smart. We lived on Zoom. You know, now we've, we've been tested and, and we'll sporadically meet together in the office each week if, if we want to. It's, it's very much like, do you guys want to have a meeting? Do you think that'd be more productive? Great, let's do it. You know, <laughs> how isolated have you been? Do you need to be tested again? Okay, well, maybe we won't meet this week then. It's very organic in that sense, but we're obviously in touch every single day. And I think this experience actually has been really positive for all of us. We've grown closer, we're stronger, we're more determined, and in a lot of ways, really in love with what we do that much more because I think we spend so much time building up the artists we work with and care about because we want them to succeed, especially in the wake of this crisis. I love to hear that, you know what, even though the pandemic is obviously unfortunate that you were able to grow stronger as a team, because I think it's very, very important. And I Absolutely. guess for you as, as a person who manages the business, right? I mean, I'm sure it was stressful because once you, you know, heard the news of the pandemic and the shutdown, you probably weren't super prepared to for all your clients to you know have mm -hmm. to go digital and all the things being canceled so how did you deal with it and i mean obviously it was stressful how did you deal with the stress on the personal side none of us were prepared it was freaky on a personal level i work out religiously i really you know make sure i eat healthy i get sleep those kind of obvious things you know i eat a lot we all you know, cheer each other on. Positivity is like so important right now. Yeah. And I, when this first happened, I, I was scared. I think every everybody was and still is. The, the thing is, there's so much uncertainty. So personally, I think taking it day by day and really being there for people in your life. Like I just call my friends, you know, just see how they're doing, take time to do that. That really helps me get through this. I've it's amazing. In some ways, I've become healthier, you know, because I'm traveling less. I have more time to think about details like that. I know a lot of people are saying that going through this whole process. I think just realizing there's going to be ups and downs. And there always are, pandemic or no pandemic, right? You just got to wake up every day and show up and, and care. <laughs> and that yeah. helps me. I love it. It's, uh, you know what, I'm a big believer in silver linings and finding them wherever you can or creating them, basically, you know, manifesting them into the universe. Absolutely. And, and, and it so seems great. like you're that kind of person who's just, you know what, let's find the best out of it. Let's make the best out of the situation at hand and move forward. I love it. And you said you read a lot. 
what kind of books, resources, podcasts you consume to stay relevant, to stay up to date on obviously your business, the PR, the artists, the industry, everything. So recently, I actually just finished the book Limitless by Jim Quick. I love his podcast, Quick Brain. He's obviously a brain expert, neuroscientist. But his book, Limitless, focuses on mindset, motivation, methods. That's been great. I think that's a really wonderful resource, especially in a time like this. Because so much of everything is mindset, right? However you're thinking about anything is going to have a major impact on reality. So that's a good one. I've been a longtime fan of Gary Vee. He's kind of a controversial character, I think, but I love his mindset, his kind of competitive edge. A lot of what we're talking about, like do the work, do the hustle, have patience. You know, in general, industry news, art news, art net, (laughs) we do PR, so I live in media lists and I probably read too much media. The reason I was laughing is because the podcast that came out today with Miles Farmer, he uh, he also named Gary V for the same reasons, because he likes the, the motivation and positivity. So... I am actually also a listener of Gary Vee, so (laughs) I know what you mean. I know what you mean. If you could go back to your younger self, what would be your suggestion or advice? You know, I've had to do a lot of work to build confidence. My dad was actually an artist, but he really struggled with it and had some mental health issues. And that, that also inspires a lot of the reason of why I do what I do. And that was a big struggle for me in my youth. And so I guess if I could go back to then, I would probably pat myself on the back more and be proud of my work ethic and believe in myself a bit more. I've really had a lot of self-doubt in my own artistic aspirations, still do. That's something I struggle with. So practicing what I'm preaching today, (laughs) I think, you know, more of that back then would have been great to have. (laughs) But I had to learn it, which is part of life. And how did you learn it going through the process? I sought after therapy at a really young age. I've been doing therapy for years and I'm proud of that. It sounds kind of silly, but I think that unexamined life is not worth living. And I think with a really good therapist on your side, you can learn a lot about yourself and give yourself permission to take that time to work through your issues. I think that's really helped me become a stronger person and just every day showing up. You know, I think if you don't start and if you don't allow yourself to be uncomfortable and pushed forward, you're not going to get anywhere. Yeah, I think that's been a lot of the process and you're always learning something new, being excited about that. I love it. And thank you for sharing that. Um, I find that a lot of people, once we dig into the questions and, you know, they all mention that they seek external help because sometimes things get tough, whether it's therapy, whether it's coaches, whether it's courses, you know, meditation retreats. And I think it's becoming more and more available. And obviously also like, you know, because you were sharing on the podcast with it, somebody will listen to it and say, you know what, maybe I should try it. So thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. This has been great. <laughs> so I guess, I guess to bring it to, you know, the fire round, so to speak, every guest that comes on the show, we ask three questions. A millennial is, a millennial should be, and a millennial is not. So great. Yes. Is. Okay. My first thought for this was proud. <laughs> 
we live in an incredibly unique time. You know, obviously we were at the forefront of a digital revolution. I feel like we're the most judged generation. We're coming out of the education system with a lot of debt. There are, there are a lot of challenges we're facing, but I see my peers working really hard. I mean, just this podcast today, like this is amazing that we have these types of conversations. And I think we should just be really proud of the work that we're doing. Obviously, we have a lot to work on, but I think we're going to figure it out and we're showing up. You got to give yourself a pat on the back for showing up. It's exactly what we've been talking about. Yes. Yeah. I know. I keep saying that. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, a millennial should be. I definitely think we should be paying attention to what's happening in the world. Historically, I think we're a generation that's the most globally connected. If we have the most information available to us, it's amazing. I mean, we, we literally can learn anything that we want. We can know about anything we want. We can pursue our passions. We can find mentors. We just have to do it. So I think, yeah, we should be really paying attention to what's in our hearts and what's maybe troubling us and find answers. I love this answer so, so much. Ah, and a millennial is not. I hear so many things thrown around about millennials. I imagine that's where you came up with these three fill in the blanks. I love it. I've heard a lot that things like we're indecisive, we're screwed. (laughs) I've heard that a lot, you know, because of the economy, you know, our current political state of the world. I just think we're not any of the things they're saying. We are what we are going to make ourselves. There's no right or wrong answer and all your answers yeah. have been fantastic. I, we haven't had those on the show yet, so thank you. One question and uh, you know, feel free to answer it. I always ask every guest whether if they could have a chance to go back and not go back to college, would they do it or would they still go to college? And I thought, you Ooh. know what, you'd be a good person to ask because you, you said that you went to college. I struggle with this one because I've often said I probably wouldn't have. Just because I was waitressing through school. I had gotten a scholarship to study music. I was a piano performance major. Then I became a composition major. You know, like I, that's what I went to school for. I don't know. I value that experience, though. I think getting a higher education is really important. Can you do it without funding, you know, like five expensive cars? Yeah, I, I think you can. That's so hard. I'm going to be honest. I'm not sure. I can't say one or one way or the other. And that's perfect. That is, you know what? It, it is absolutely what I'm trying to, I'm trying to achieve. I'm trying to yeah. see what's your actual reaction. Cause I went to school for five years and I appreciate the education, but you know what? Like looking back, I'm like, could have done it shorter. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. I think there's real issues there, obviously, with the expense of education and then coming out and what what you're going to do with it. I mean, it certainly didn't hurt that I went. Did it help me get where I am today? I don't think so. So I would say it's, it's really about in any pursuit, right? Your determination, grit, and ability to to just move forward. And I think it ties really well into the concept that we were discussing, right? Like I find education sometimes could be similar to, you know, 
you really need to know what you want to get out of it. And I think Mm -hmm. our generation was, you know, kind of the last generation who just went to school because it was the norm. Like you kind of had to, and that was just the thing that you do. And I think the generation after us, they're getting to the point where a lot of them don't want to go to universities or colleges unless they want to be engineers or lawyers or accountants. And they could rather create businesses and they'd rather learn on YouTube and there's courses and there's masterclasses and Skillshares and all of the resources are out there. So I try to find, you know, to see what people say from our generation who went to school and it seems like we're the last generation where almost every one of us went. I've talked about this a lot with my peers. I think it's it's a great question and it's it's one to grapple with. And it's it's so individual for everyone, right? Like to your point, like if you're a doctor, you should probably go, if you want to be a doctor, <laughs> you should probably go to college. Like, please go to yeah. college. Like do, do that. I'm glad you're going. But yeah. um, I think for some of us in the more creative fields and pursuits, it really just depends. You know, is it going to be useful to hone that particular craft? You know, it, do you really need it? You might not. So I love it. Where, where do our listeners connect with you? How do they find you and learn more? You can check out our company website, prforartists.com. And on there is all of our contact information. And you know we're really heavy on Instagram at PR for Artists. And I'm at Aubrey underscore Weinholt. Do a lot of DMing and connecting with people on there. That's been a great tool for us. I think the art world in terms of social media really lives on Instagram. So those would be two great places to start. Thank you so much, Aubrey. You've been fantastic and a pleasure to have here on the show. Thank you. Maria, thank you so much. You are awesome. This was wonderful. (laughs) I really appreciate it. (laughs) Thank you. Keep doing what you're doing. Thank you. I like the pat on the back. You know what? I love it. I I love it. I love, I love your podcast. I'm really, I'm really delving in and um, again, super grateful for this. I am grateful in return and I'm excited to have you maybe another time because you do also PR for cannabis, which is a great industry. And there's a few people that are coming on the show in the cannabis industry. So it'll be fun to, you know, to have your take on on, on it. Absolutely. I will come back anytime. I'm looking forward to it. Thank you, Aubrey. (laughs) Bye.